So speaking of Brian, uh, he spoke last week, kicking off this series, talking about the doubts that all of us have. I want to believe, but that's the series that we're covering right now. And this morning, I'm excited about talking about um, how we want to believe, but the exclusivity of Jesus, that Jesus is the only way, is a really big truth for all of us to handle. And I imagine that in an audience like this, there's probably three gr different groups of people when we talk about you know, um, where we're at and believing that Jesus is the way to heaven. The first group, you're probably uh, what maybe what we would call seeking. You know, you're on this journey, you're not sure if you want to be a Christian, you're not sure what that all means about Christianity, you're figuring out like, man, is the Bible really true? Is the Bible the only book that we should look to for spiritual truths? And you're just on this journey thinking, gosh, I don't know if I believe in all these things and these miraculous things, and it's really hard to accept, but, but you're, you're trying to figure that out, and you're on that journey, and we just want to tell you, we are so glad you're here with us. This series is really for you. We welcome you here and we encourage you as you are seeking to continue asking those really important spiritual questions. So we're, we're glad you're here for this series and we hope that this, this series really helps you, helps you intellectually and spiritually and speaks to your heart about some of the doubts that we have to become Christians. I imagine the second group here would probably consider yourselves Christians but you are very hesitant, and, and there's a lot of fear about like, okay, this is good for me, but I don't know if I want to tell other people that Jesus is the only way. I would say most Christians are kind of in this category, and, and you know, we get a lot of pushback in our culture because we're kind of in an age of tolerance right now, right? And we should just be tolerant of all beliefs, and maybe you've shared something with someone before about Jesus, and it didn't go that well, and they said, you know what? That's good for you, but that's not where I'm at. And so we can become silenced because we think, well, yeah, this is just something I'm going to hold on to for myself, but I don't want to impose my beliefs on other people. And I just want to tell you also, we're so glad you're here. You're welcome here. And we want to encourage you to keep pushing into that and just asking, like, what does God have for you in regard to becoming the third group, which is Probably a lot of you here are influencers for Christianity. You believe in Jesus. You've asked Jesus to come in and change your life. You understand that the Bible's God's word and that's what you want. And you're also out there just trying to love people and encourage them to come to know Jesus. That doesn't mean we go out there and debate and argue with people and, uh, and try to like beat them over the head with the Bible. But we want to be influencers for Jesus. And to that third group, you are not welcome here. <laughs> Get out right now. Just kidding. Totally kidding. Of course, you're all welcome here. We love everybody. And this series, we hope, is for you too, because we want to equip you. And sometimes even when you're in that category, you're thinking, gosh, is, what, what do I focus on and how do I share this? And we really hope this series helps you also. We're all here today seeking something needing something and wanting something. And Jesus loves that. In Matthew 7, 7 and 8, Jesus told this to the crowds. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus was telling the people, just like he's telling us today, I want you to ask me things. I want you to seek. I want you to pursue me and spiritual truths. I want you to keep knocking on that door until your questions are answered. And he knows that we have this longing in us for not just the physical realm. We know, we believe that it is not just about what we see. It's not just about this physical world. There is something else. There's something bigger. There's something eternal. And, and Jesus is telling the people, ask about these things. Keep seeking and keep knocking, and he will answer those questions. So let's pray and ask God as we dive in here. If you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, John 14. We're going to talk about John 13, 14, and 15. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can look that up on your phone or it'll come up on the screen. And let's just pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. God, we're so thankful to be in this place today. And Lord, we do ask that you would enlighten us. We seek answers. We're knocking on the door asking for truth because there's lots of reasons, Lord, that we can doubt things. And we're all in different places here today wondering, like, what is my life about? And, and what about these doubts and, and things that we're trying to understand? And God, you know all of those thoughts. And you're so gracious to us and you're so merciful and you're such a good king and such a good friend to us that you want us to come so that we might understand more. So give us the grace to understand what you want us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we're thinking about why this topic, we understand that this topic can be so controversial. And it disheartens me, and maybe it disheartens many of you when you turn on the TV and you hear about uh, controversy and debate and fighting and all this volatility that goes on about you know, different countries and about spiritual things and about all the things that we can debate about uh, spiritually, politically, and all these things. And so when we talk about why we're doing this topic, it's because we really believe these things are true. And a lot of people out there, which I completely understand, they don't feel like Christians are just sharing truth. They feel like they're giving their opinions in an arrogant way. And so as we come here today, we're thinking, are we just talking about Christian truth or is this some kind of arrogant opinion that I have? Is that really what Christians are? They're just very arrogant and they're very opinionated. And their opinion is no better off than a Muslim's or an atheist's or someone that roots for this team or that team. These are all just opinions. And we know that this could be the case because we've seen people take religious truth and, and twist it and use it to harm other people. People use religion and people use the name of God to hurt other people and abuse other people. This belt buckle, this picture that's going to come up says, Got men uns. And this was a saying, God with us, that the Nazis would use over and over again as they tried to dominate other people. God with us. God with us. God with us. And this was engraved and this was on banners and this was prevalent throughout the time so that they could twist the people's minds to say, this is God's will that we kill innocent people. 
Here we are decades later, and we look back and we think, how is that even possible that people could use the name of God and they could use religion to do such horrible things? And these are the things that turn people off from talking about God. These are the things that turn off people when we, when we talk about capital T truths. And so sometimes people press into that. I know when I've talked to people about Christianity. I know when I was first becoming a Christian at 18 years old, just going home to my family and saying to them, hey, I'm a Christian now and I want to follow Jesus. And even from my own family, there was these raised eyebrows and this suspicion like, what is happening to you? And, and what are you saying? Are you, <clears throat> are you saying that we might be in the wrong? And even with the people I loved and the people that loved me in my own family, I remember Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays talking to my family about Christianity, and there was a possible animosity there. So how much harder is it with those that we don't even know, those outside of our family? These are difficult things. And my family would say, well, why, why are you even imposing this on us? Why are you sharing this with us? And here's the first thing. Um, <clears throat> as Christians, number one, we are simply with a good heart trying to repeat the things that Jesus claimed about himself. That is why we do this. Not out of arrogance. It should be the opposite of that. It should be out of humility. Not just because we think it's our opinion or it's better opinion than other people's. Christians are simply trying to reiterate and repeat and proclaim what Jesus said about himself. The second thing is that the Bible, which we believe to be God's word, requires us to share these things in love. Maybe sometimes people outside of Christianity don't even understand that. We're only just trying to be obedient. There's plenty of Christians that don't want to share their faith or they don't want to bring up spiritual things, but we love God and we believe in our whole heart that the Bible is God's word, and the Bible says all through that I want you as Christians to be my spokespeople. I want you to go out there and influence people to believe in me. So Christians, we're required to share this, but we're required to share it in love. And that's where sometimes the controversy comes in because we as Christians don't always portray that love in a really good way and in a kind way. And so as we focus on these good things in our culture, as I'm just setting this up, okay, it is really important to respect people. That's a no-brainer, right? We should all be on the same page with that. And to celebrate diversity and acceptance and all of these things. And, but as we focus on these good things of respect and diversity and acceptance of other people, talking about the exclusivity of Jesus can become a challenge. And we can still have really good spiritual conversations with people and still respect their views and still love them and still listen and have good dialogue, and, and celebrate diversity, and all of these things. We should be learners as we're trying to influence other people. And I love this. I love having these healthy conversations with people of other faiths, and people that are, that are, that are curious, or, or maybe they have misconceptions of God, and we get the privilege to come in and say, no, God isn't just a wrathful God. God loves us. God loves everybody. He wants to invite you into a relationship. 
And these conversations can be so good. But, you know, we see on TV all the time and we see lots of conflict and we see maybe the vocal minority of Christians or the vocal minority of other things that kind of ruin it for everybody because of their, their fighting and their anger. And so, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, gosh, can this even be done without anger? Do spiritual conversations about truth have to be so extreme? You know, when I think of somebody just really angry and somebody kind of just, you know, um, a, a great picture of, of someone just kind of losing it, I think of this story um, a while back uh, with George Brett, who played for the Kansas City Royals. Now, most of you maybe don't know much about this, but back in the day, uh, George Brett was a baseball player for the Kansas City Royals, and they're in this game against the New York Yankees. And it was toward the end of the game, and the Yankees were winning, and George Brett came up to bat, and he needed this big hit to kind of take them over. They were down by a run, and George Brett hits this home run against the Yankees. And the Royals are celebrating, they're excited, hey, we're going to beat the Yankees, because he was the last, there was two outs, and he was the last batter to give them a shot. Well, Billy Martin, who was the manager of the Yankees, he was like an antagonistic dude his whole career. You either loved Billy Martin or you hated him. And, uh, and he came out and started talking to the umpires about this bat that George Brett was using, and that he had put too much pine tar on it, which kind of gives them this good grip. They put this black oil on it so they can grip it, and he's saying that they had too much pine tar. So the umpires start talking about it, and I'm going to show you just this 30-second clip of what happens. And like on TV, I'm going to ask you, A, do you think that Kansas City is going to win this game and George Brett's going to be allowed to have his home run? Or B, is he going to be called out and the Yankees win and they all just shake hands and peacefully go on their separate way? Or C, is something else going to happen? So let's check out the video. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's gone. I've never seen this. I never have either. I don't know what I don't know what they're measuring. They might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he is. is He's out. Yes, sir. Brett is out. Look at look at this. Brett is out. He's steaming mad. He is out and having to be forcibly restrained. Okay. (laughs) I just love that clip. I don't know why. I love seeing George Brett go ballistic. Some people see things like that, and that's kind of how they imagine spiritual conversations going. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell this person about Jesus. I'm going to ask them some questions, and they're just going to start coming out of the dugout, screaming with spit flying out of their mouth. It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be extreme. And God can really help us in our tone and how we love people and asking good questions, that these can be awesome conversations. So... Why do people get so angry? Why are wars started? Why is this such a volatile situation? Why does it have the potential for that? What did Jesus say that was so controversial? Well, let's jump into that. First, here's one of the things that he said in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, one of his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except 
through me. Jesus had his disciples gathered round. And they were asking him questions about the future and where he was going and what he was doing. And they were asking him about the cross that he was getting ready to go die on. And he says, I just want to make this clear to you what's happening. Okay, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one is going to come to heaven. No one's going to come to the Father except through me. You can see how that is very bold statement. Any human that makes that statement is either God himself, a crazy person, or just trying to lie to people. It's, it's one of those options. Right before this chapter in John 13, Jesus was explaining to him and to the disciples his death on the cross. And he said, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to follow me right away. And Peter, in his boldness, you know, Peter was like the really outgoing, crazy. He's like, Jesus, I'm with you. I don't care where you're going. I'm going with you. He's like, no, you don't understand. You can't come with me on this journey that I'm going. Peter's like, nope, I'm going. The other guy's like, hey, where are we going, by the way? What are you guys talking about? You know, he's been with them all these years and they just weren't really getting it. And Jesus is like, haven't I told you I'm going to ascend into heaven to go be with the Father? I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die for people's sins, and then I'm going to go to the Father. And Philip says, well, who's the Father? Who's God? And Jesus is like, I'm God. If you've seen me, you've seen God. And he's patiently explaining this to them through chapter 13 and 14 and 15. He starts talking about how Jesus and the Spirit and God are one in the Trinity. And it's a great few chapters that you should read. John 13, 14, 15, and 16. If you're trying to understand these things and journeying about who Jesus is. And, and so again, they just say, well, where are we going? What, what is the way? You said you're going this way. Where, where is this? And he says, I am the way. And I'm the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. That is why I am going to the cross. And all through Scripture, Jesus is sharing this controversial message. That Jesus died for mankind's sins so that you and I could be reconciled with God. There's no other way that you and I could be reconciled to God because of the sins that we've done and the mistakes that we've made. I've made thousands and thousands of mistakes. So many mistakes in my past. Things that I would be ashamed to tell you about. I don't stand up here as some holy person, some perfect person that's, that's been a good person their whole life. I have many things that I needed to confess to God things that I wish I could have done differently. And so I don't stand here as someone right with God because I've made all the right choices, just the opposite. And what the Bible is saying and what Jesus is saying is we all have this past that injured our relationship with God and we were separated from God. And Jesus said, the only way for you to be back with me is if I die for your sins and take them away, and as you receive that and believe that, you can be back with me. That is the hard-to-accept message of this world. Because most people, if they believe in a heaven or a hell, or if most people believe in an afterlife, their religion is summarized like this. If I'm pretty good, I'll go to heaven. 
If I just am a pretty good person, I'll be okay with God. If my good outweighs my bad, I'm okay. And that's their religion. That's what they believe. And so here's the big idea for this morning. The crucial difference between Christianity and all other religions. Other religions have the idea of doing more good than bad to obtain their salvation. Where Christianity states that we are not good enough and we rely on Jesus to give us that salvation. So Jesus was this really special person. He was this person that was able to save people out of spiritual death and bring them into spiritual life. And Jesus made all these claims that we call I am claims. This was a really big deal in the New Testament. This was a really big deal to the Jewish people because, and I'm not going to list them all to you right now, but Jesus would say things like, I am the door. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. And he gave them all these big I am statements. And some of them were so bold to the Jewish people of that time Okay? They had controversy too, just like we do today. Some of them would pick up rocks to stone him. They would say, surely this person is crazy that they're saying all these things about themselves, and they would try to kill him. Now, to just bring more credibility to what Jesus was saying, it wasn't just about what Jesus said about himself. Any of us could make claims about ourselves, right? That doesn't end the story. So we say, well, what did other people say about him? And in the Old Testament, this is a really big deal. It's called apologetics. And it's one of the logical things that we can look to to say, like, why would we believe Jesus' huge claims? Is because in the Old Testament, sometimes thousands of years before Jesus stepped foot on this earth, these prophetic people said things about who Jesus would be who the Messiah would be or who the Savior would be, over 300 of them. And if you Google this thing, if you're really seeking and you're like, I really want to understand this, like this doesn't even sound right, you know, you Google this and you'll find these lists of maybe like 341 Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, where he would be born, how he would die, what those around him would be like and what those around him, how they would act. One of the really cool ones that we share around Christmas a lot is in Isaiah 7.14. Centuries before Jesus was born. In 7.14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign so that you'll know who it is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Bible said even before Jesus would come that a virgin was going to get pregnant, and this son, Jesus, was going to be God. The word Emmanuel means God with us. Also in Isaiah 44, it says, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of the heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There is no other God. That was really important to the people of that day that believed in many gods. And he's saying, no, there's only going to be one God. He's the king of Israel, and he's going to be the one that redeems us from our sins. So there were other witnesses. Let's go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What did the people around him say about him? Luke 
claims in Acts chapter 4 when Peter was arrested. Peter said this about him. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That is such an amazing verse because Peter had just been arrested in this verse. As he's saying this to the authorities, they told him, you need to stop talking about Jesus. And Peter, before when, he was arrest, when Jesus was arrested, he was scared half to death. And he did not want to be a spokesman for Jesus. And after he saw Jesus die on the cross and rise again, he became this really bold person. And even though he was arrested here, he's going toe-to-toe with these religious leaders and saying, look, I have to share this. There is salvation in no one else. Jesus is it. There's no way that we can get to heaven and be saved except through Jesus. Paul wrote the same thing in the book of Timothy. His life was changed by Jesus. He says, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man, Christ Jesus. These are the things that the people around him, the witnesses were saying about him. And it, 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 it impacts me so much that historically we know these people walked with Jesus. And this is huge. These guys went to their death. They were martyred saying these things. People took up swords and people took up stones and they said, you need to just be quiet or we're going to kill you. And they said, we can't stop talking about what we've seen. And many of these people were martyred for their faith. That's got to bring some attention to the witness of what Jesus was saying and who he was and that he really did rise from the dead. So these are just some of the, the a small amount of some of these things in context that make us see that, that Jesus is so important. Jesus is the only answer. You know, I love watching superhero movies. Maybe lots of you love watching superhero movies. Our family loves superhero movies, and they almost all have the same kind of thing, okay? These superheroes, why do we love them? They have a great heart most of the time, even though they have some flaws, you know? Some of them, maybe not. But I think of Captain America, okay? All-American, good-hearted guy. Secondly, they have these amazing powers, right? They can do really cool things that defy nature, There's always this epic battle between good and evil, and I love it at the end because most of the time, good triumphs over evil. And, you know, we we have a heart for these things, and we love these things because there's something that resonates in us that actually points to the truth of the gospel. I love this little cartoon thing. There's Jesus sitting with the superheroes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how I save the world. I totally want to get that t-shirt. I know they're selling t-shirts that have that. And we love that story. And I believe that we love these stories because all those things fit Jesus. Because they all point to an actual spiritual truth. That we have a hero in Jesus that can defy nature. I remember having a conversation recently with someone and they were just saying, I just don't believe in the miraculous. I can't believe that, you know, there's a God that does miraculous things. And I said, well, can I just push back into that a little bit? Like, do you believe there's a God that maybe created all things or that a lot of the things that we see around us originated with God? And he said, yeah. 
I do kind of believe that. I said, would you want, I mean, could we even imagine a God being like that that couldn't do supernatural things, that couldn't do miraculous things? He couldn't possibly create some physical thing that he couldn't rule over or he couldn't um, change for his own good. And sometimes we just limit what God can do and we limit who God is because we don't understand one of the, my favorite apologetics is uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias, and he reiterates this so well. He says, the Christian faith, simply stated, reminds us that our fundamental problem is not moral. Rather, our fundamental problem is spiritual. It is not just that we are immoral, but that a moral life alone cannot bridge what separates us from God. Herein lies the cardinal difference between the moralizing religions... And Jesus is offered to us. Jesus does not offer to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. That is what makes Jesus different, is that this sin that's in us has made us spiritually dead. And for us to become spiritually alive, we need someone to pay for that sin. And Buddha did not pay for your sin. And Muhammad did not pay for for your sin and Gandhi did not pay for your sin or any other religious leader or moral person of all time never claimed to make dead people alive only Jesus and he proved that and he followed that up with his resurrection you know when I think of this concept of of Jesus being the only way it's it's like a crossroads for all of us it's a crossroads of whether we're going to follow him, and it's a crossroads of whether we're going to tell other people about him. And I, it, it, to me, the way that Jesus has come in and changed my life and helped me overcome so much sin and temptation in my life, the way that he's come in and changed my marriage and changed my family and my relationships and everything about my life. To me, it's so overwhelming of how he's come in and rescued me that I feel like I have no choice but to, to love him and to follow him and to tell other people about him. It reminds me of when I was 10 years old. We grew up and we had this little lake where we grew up, and I did not know how to swim yet when I was 10 years old and my older brothers were all running off this dock and hitting this inner tube and flying into the lake and I was on the dock watching them and one of the guys bumped into me and I fell into the lake it was about six or seven feet deep I was about four feet tall and I knew nothing else but to just start breathing really fast I just sunk to the bottom and I panicked and I remember as clear as day thinking, okay, I'm going to die. And I was just standing in the muck, breathing fast. And I know if I would have just stayed there, I would eventually have passed out and died. And all of a sudden, through the murky water, I see this hand coming toward me. My oldest brother, Jeff, dove in, reached in, grabbed me by the hair, and dragged me out of the lake. I said, hey, couldn't you have grabbed my hand or my shoulder or something? He grabs me by the hair and yanks me out of this dirty lake. And I'm just laying on the, on, the, on the dock there, just coughing up water. And he saved my life. That is so similar to our spiritual condition. 
because of the wrongs that we've done, we're in the lake, powerless, drowning. Jesus, out of his love for you and I, dove in, he grabs us, and he pulls us out. No good inside of you. No good motives. No other thing is going to rescue you out of that except someone coming in and pulling you to safety. I thank God my brother saved my physical life that day. We can look to Jesus and say, I want you to save me spiritually that way. And here is how we do that. The Bible makes that very clear what our response is. If you're sitting there thinking, okay, how do I, what do I do? How do I accept this? The Bible makes it very clear in Romans 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. If you say in your heart right now, Jesus is Lord, I want to follow him. I, I believe this and I want him in my life. I want to put my faith in Jesus. The Bible says at that moment you are spiritually saved. First John goes on to say, all who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. These are the bold statements that the Bible makes that says we really need to accept Jesus. That's the fork in the road. And that is what we're trying to present to other people in a loving way. That this is what life is all about. You know, back to the different places that we're in. Um, back to as, as I was saying at the beginning. You know, there's three places in life. You're maybe sitting here as a seeker. You're like, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. And maybe you're at that place where you're like, I want to make this decision. I want to give my life to Jesus. You know, I've had the, the privilege of being around or seeing Muslims come to know Jesus. And we've got to see Hindus put their faith in Jesus. And we've seen atheists and agnostics give their life to Jesus. We've seen New Age people in all different kinds of religions. We have even seen Michigan Wolverines give their life to Jesus. I mean, that's, those are some pretty lost people. That's a miracle. It's for everybody. And people have made these big leaps and given their life to Jesus. And you can do that too. Jesus is standing there with open arms for anyone. And if you're kind of in that middle group, you know, this is good for me, but I don't know if I want to share this with other people. God will give you the words. God will give you grace to help other people. It doesn't have to be obnoxious. It just has to be you taking a step of faith. And lastly, for those of you that are influencers, you know, use these verses. Use your story to continue to go out there and influence people and pray that God will use you to help hearts turn toward him. Let's pray and ask him to help us with those things.